Good morning. I want to say thank you to whoever saved our PowerPoint. Uh, we got off to a rocky start there. And uh, thanks to Wade for dealing with that. If you've ever been speaking or leading singing and the PowerPoint doesn't work or doesn't go well like that, think about it like this. It's like looking into a strobe light and then trying to carry on as if you're not. It is, it is distracting with the capital D. Wade, you did a, a masterful job with that and I appreciate your, your patience. And those of you who were uh, watching us online, you're probably wondering what in the world are they doing? Uh, but we got through that and I'm so grateful. I'm glad that you're here today. We're continuing our study of the names of God and uh, you have encouraged me greatly with your interest in this study. A young man went home to meet the family of the girl he was dating and was hearing some stories about her as a child. And they told once she was a toddler, she went with her mom shopping, and she said, Mom, do you have a, a Kleenex? And she said, well, why do you need to know? And she said, well, there may be something in the store I want to cry over. <laughs> I wonder how many adults are still crying over things, wanting things consumed by the quest of life. Now, some of our wants are legitimate. Some of them are not. But that pursuit can be relentless. I wonder how many people, even as adults, would give anything to be able to get off that rat race, to get off that merry-go-round of the consuming, always wanting something else. That may be why, of even in a materialistic age today, Psalm 23 remains a favorite. People who don't know much about God or much about Scripture, they know Psalm 23, and it resonates because it touches something down deep in all of us. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. David said the secret of finding life that we're all looking for is this, following Jehovah Ra'al, it's R A. A-H, Ra'al, the Lord, my shepherd. I want us today, is the PowerPoint working, uh, to uh, read Psalms 1 through, uh, verses 1 through 4 together. Can we do that in unison, everybody? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You know, I preach from several different translations. My, my go-to is the ESV. That's what's on the screen. Uh, I do believe the Psalms are most beautiful in some of the more word-for-word -word translations like the New King James or the King James or even the ESV. Love the modern translations as well, but uh, you may even have trouble sometimes if you've learned Psalm 23 in one translation then to read it in another because it's just, it's just in there. But I want to begin with an obvious fact. We all need to have our needs met the way God created us. And Psalm 23 resonates with us because it describes what people are looking for. Fulfillment. Think about that. How many truly satisfied people do you know? How many truly satisfied people 
do you know? And does that describe you? It's easy to think that fulfillment comes from having everything you want. But the reason why that's so frustrating is most of us are never going to be in a position to be able to have everything that we want. And even for those who do have everything they want, they soon learn that it's not really what they thought it was after all. Not nearly as fulfilling. It's like the little boy who just ate a big stack of pancakes and his mom said, would you like another one? And the little boy says, mom, I don't even want the one I already had. That's what we're talking about. David says it is possible to live this fulfilled, satisfied life. That's what Psalm 23 is telling us. But it's not by moving from pasture to pasture, looking for some, some more ways to fill our wants. The secret to contentment is to remain close to Jehovah Ra'al. It is the responsibility of the shepherd to take care of the needs of the sheep. And David says God will do this for you. Now, God doesn't say, I mean, David doesn't say here that, that God will take care of all of your wants or your whims or even all of your desires. But it is impossible to have a legitimate need that God cannot meet if you stay with him. Now, that's a bold statement, but that's really what the name means. Most think David wrote this psalm when he was older. So he's looking back on life, realizing how God had truly been a good shepherd to him. And this grace and mercy had followed him wherever he went. So today, I want us to consider these words again and even learn today God can meet all of our needs. And what we're going to see as we do this is some of the names that we've been studying, they're going to emerge as God is our good shepherd. So the first thing David says is, I shall not want. Your shepherd grants provision as Jehovah Jireh. Remember that name? The Lord provides. The reason David could say God will take care of all my wants is because that is his name. That is who he is. And maybe the greatest distinction between a Christian and a non-believer or a pagan sometimes, as the Bible calls them, a Gentile, is really about... The way we pursue things, the way we think about stuff, the way we go about filling our wants. If you recall, Jesus, said, you can tell who the pagan is by what he runs after. Look at the screen, Matthew 6, verse 25 and following. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap. Nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven... Will he not much more clothe you? O oh, you of little faith, therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles, or the NIV says, the pagans seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. 
Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Your Father knows that you need them all. I put this on the screen. A Christian understands that needs are not met by pursuing needs, but rather by pursuing God. That's what separates the believer from the non-believer. Notice what Jesus does not say here. He doesn't say that your Heavenly Father knows that you don't need them. That's not what he says at all. He doesn't say that your Heavenly Father knows that you don't need all of them. He says your Heavenly Father knows what you need. And when you pursue him, you put his kingdom first, he's going to take care of you. That's the promise that he made. And the evidence that he gave that God is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides, is the glory of creation. Look at the birds. Look at the flowers. The same God who cares for them cares for you. I was thinking about that and my own children, remembering that sometimes they would go to bed and not go to sleep right away and you could hear them talking. I don't remember them ever talking when they were young like that, wondering, I wonder what happens if dad dies. Marcy, how much allowance you got saved up? Jake, how big is your piggy bank? Little kids don't think like that. Why? Because when they're little, they have just amazing trust that mom and dad are going to be there. God allows them to have that kind of trust. Maybe that's why we are to be like children in that way, looking to our God in the same way. God's got us. He's going to take care of us. He's going to supply our every need. Philippians 4, 19. Maybe this is marked in your Bible. If not, maybe you should mark it. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Jehovah Ra'al will take care of your needs. Well, look at the second thing the shepherd does. Verse 2. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Doesn't that sound good? He's talking about rest. He's talking about replenishment. A little boy said, Dad, did you hear about the Air Force? They have created a jet that flies so fast that it shot a, middle, a missile and shot itself down. We know that's not possible. But sometimes we feel like that, don't we? We just go, 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 and go, and we never get ahead. Here's what David is saying. Your shepherd grants peace as Jehovah Shalom. David is saying rest does not come from counting sheep. It comes from counting on the shepherd. It's your relationship with him. Jehovah gives his sheep shalom. And even that phrase, the way it's worded there, it makes me lie down. Again, I keep thinking of children. Remember when your child, or maybe you're, you're, you have children now this age when they need a nap and yet you have to make them lie down and, and they resist and they push and they fight and they don't want a nap. They'll tell you they don't want a nap and you go, oh, but you need a nap. Amen. And you have to make them lie down. And what we also know is after that nap, they're a whole lot better human, aren't they? Much better for the rest of the day. But sometimes we have to be made to lie down. Think about that. Even as adults, he makes me lie down in green pastures. Do you have a place like that? A place where for you it's like quiet still waters or green pastures. Maybe for you it's a, a certain chair in your house. Maybe for you it's after the kids have gone to bed. Or maybe you get up early before everybody else. Maybe for you the only time you can have that calm is in the car. Maybe as you're driving to or from work in your commute, but just a moment where you connect. 
Why is that important? Because that's what this whole, this whole psalm is about, about you connecting with the shepherd, having communion with him. Philippians 4, 6 and 7. It's on the front of your bulletin, but it's also on the screen. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. We're not told, don't ask. In fact, we're told to ask. Tell God what your requests are. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The way you feel, the way you think, it's all wrapped together. Paul says it's a peace that you can experience, but it's kind of hard to put into words. You can't explain it. It transcends understanding. David had lived a long life, and at times very tumultuous, but was able to say, this is who he is. The shepherd was there giving him the peace. And then verse 3, David says, he restores my soul. That word restore means to place back on the right path, to turn around, to head back in the right direction. And this may be one of the most radical doctrines of Scripture, the way God is depicted here, that he places such a high value on the sick, the one who is stray, the one who's wandered off, and he goes after them. Remember the story Jesus told? Jesus the shepherd has a hundred sheep. And one wanders off, he leaves the 90. Who would do that? That was such radical teaching. Nobody thinks that way. Usually you stay with the 99 and, and let that one go. But no, this is a picture of who God is. He is that shepherd. So David reminds us that your shepherd grants renewal as Jehovah Rapha. The one who renews, the one who heals. And the good shepherd, he seeks out the sick, the lost, and he goes after them. Consider some of the medicines, if you will, that God gives us today for your ailments. Remember, David says, he restores my soul. Look at Psalm 103, verses 1 through 5. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Now, I wish right there in our Bibles, you know, in the original language, didn't have punctuation. But I wish benefits there had a colon and then some numbers. And I went ahead and kind of manipulated the text and put some bullet points there. But look at that. Forget not all his benefits. Verse 3, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. You need that. Doesn't that sound good? He satisfies you with good. What a week we've had. Anybody fatigued? Exhausted? Just kind of overwhelmed with everything that's happened? You know, Wednesday was a terrible day in our country. And I was trying to wrap my brain around that. And then I got a phone call from Marinelle Criswell making the decision that it was time for Jim to go on a ventilator. You know, at that moment, everything just kind of came into focus. What really matters, what's really important, it's not all this stuff. 
at all. Oh, how we need a good shepherd. I think one of David's greatest lines, Psalm 51, verse 12, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Jehovah Rapha can do that. It's one of the great joys for the saved. As our bodies get older and work less, our spirit grows and gets better. That's the way God intends for it to be. We are renewed every morning. And then he says, he guides me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. This is important because if there's any animal that's likely to wander, it's sheep. One author says, the only animal that wanders more than sheep is people. We can't argue with that, can we? Look at Isaiah 53, verse 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And you have to break a sheep from that habit. If for no other reason, for their own safety. When they wander off, they die. You ever seen a pack of wild sheep? You don't. If a sheep wanders off, it's only a matter of time until he's supper. I mean, that's just the fact of life. That's just the way it is for a sheep. Another reason, not just for safety, David says he guides them for his name's sake. When a sheep wanders off, or, or worse, if he's unhealthy, he talks about being anointed with oil. If he's unhealthy, what, what kind of reflection is that on the shepherd? Somebody's neglecting the sheep. He's not looking after them. God says, you must be holy because I am holy. His sheep reflect him. So he guides you in righteous paths for his namesake. Your shepherd grants guidance, says Jehovah M. Kadesh, the Lord who makes you holy. He makes you righteous. Now, how does God do that? How does God guide you into holiness? Well, first, he gave you the example of Jesus. Jesus came to show us the way. Think again and again and again. How many times Jesus would just simply say the words, follow me. The path of righteousness. He gave you the scriptures to read and study for yourself. He gave you a church, a spiritual family to come alongside you. You don't do this alone. You've got help. And they're going to help you to stay on that right path. Hold you accountable. You have his own indwelling spirit. What a gift. And a promise to never leave you. And he also disciplines us. He'll let us reap what we sow. He wants us to learn our lesson, to get back on the right path. I read about a practice of the shepherds in Palestine they would do when a sheep would continue to wander off because the shepherd knew if that sheep was going to survive, he had to learn to stay with the shepherd. So the method sounds cruel, but it was actually a kindness. It was actually good for the sheep. The shepherd would take his rod and hit the leg of the sheep and break it and then put a splint on the sheep on the leg that is broken and hold, carry that sheep for the next several weeks while the leg healed. And it was finally healed weeks later when the sheep would walk again. He had also learned to remain close to the shepherd. What he needed to know all along. Folks, here's the truth of scripture. God loves you so much, he will discipline you. 
We don't think about God that way very much, but the Bible talks about that. Hebrews 12, 6, the Lord disciplines those he loves. And for some people, the only way to get them on the right path is discipline. But the greatest thing he did to make you righteous, and you know this already, is he offered the Lamb of God so your fleece could be white. Look at the way Peter wrote it, 1 Peter 1, 18. You were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like the lamb without blemish or spot. You know what your greatest need is? Forgiveness, salvation, and only Jehovah Ra'al can meet that need. Maybe the most touching part of this psalm is verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. In the summer, it's not unusual for the shepherd to move his sheep up to higher ground. They had kind of exhausted the, the lower pastures, and so they'd go up to the part that had not yet been uh, uh, feeding the sheep. But to get there meant leading the sheep through the dark ravines. And they didn't like that because it was dark and it was scary and they had virtually no way to defend themselves. And they were afraid. They didn't want to go. So the shepherd would have to lead them. One author explained it like this. The shepherd would walk with his sheep holding his rod, which is like a club, that he would use to fight off the predator. His staff was what was used when he sensed the skittish sheep. He would lay that staff on the back of the sheep that although it was dark, the sheep could feel the presence of the shepherd. He then went on to say, the greatest fear of the sheep is the greatest fear of people. It's the fear of death. What David is saying is your shepherd grants protection as Jehovah Nisi. Remember that name? The Lord is my banner. Do you know why you're protected in the dark valley? One is because he's with us. That was his promise. He'll never leave us. God is there with you. Now think about Stephen in Acts chapter 6 and 7. You remember that. The Bible says he was full of the Holy Spirit. God was working in him. But he had enemies, those who didn't believe in Jesus. So when he was trying to give a defense, they trumped up charges against him. They didn't believe anything that he said, even though he spoke truth. And right before he was stoned to death, do you remember his words? I see Jesus. God allowed the heavens to open to sense the true presence that he was never alone. So one, because he's with us, but two, because he's gone before you in the dark valley. He knows what it's like. I read about a missionary who's trying to share the gospel with a tribe in the jungles of Brazil, and, and there was a time where sickness had hit the tribe, and they needed to get to a medical clinic, but to get to the clinic, they had to cross a river. There was no bridge, and they had a superstition, a belief that there were evil spirits in the water. So the only way to get to the medical clinic, to get the life-saving medicine, was to cross the river, to go into the water. But because of the evil spirits, they wouldn't go. The missionary just could not understand this from a rational standpoint. He tried to explain. They didn't believe. So he got in the water up to his ankles and turned around. It didn't matter. He splashed the water on his face. They still weren't phased. So the missionary just dove in the water, swam underwater all the way to the other side of the river. And when he came up out of the water, everybody in the tribe just cheered because they realized the evil spirits didn't get him. He was speaking truth. 
And they were able to also cross the water. That is why the Lamb of God was raised from the dead. Look at Hebrews 2, verses 14 through 15. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise, look at this phrase, partook of the same things. That through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil. And, and notice verse 15. And deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. Folks, that's not an overstatement, is it? There are some people whose fear of death is lifelong slavery. But Jesus went there first and defeated Satan to deliver us. But again, notice David's words in verse 4. He didn't say you go in the valley. He said you go through the valley of the shadow of death. Big difference. Because when we walk under the shepherd's banner, even death cannot stop our victory. I want to remind you of something I hope you already know. We come to know Jehovah Ra'al in Jesus Christ. This is the, the beauty of Scripture, how it all ties together. There is no other compound name of God that better defines the ministry of Jesus. One author even said the name shepherd is the one thing Jesus used the most to identify himself as he went about his ministry. Look at the screen. In Jesus, you need provision. He's the bread of life. You need shalom. He's the prince of peace. You need renewal. He's the great physician. You need righteousness. He's the Lamb of God. You need victory. He's the coming King. Everything you need is in Jesus Christ. With that in mind, I want to conclude with two statements and a question. All about a shepherd. First, remember the good shepherd came to redeem us. The good shepherd came to redeem us. John 10, 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Jesus chose to die. No one took his life. He laid down his life to save the sheep. He is that good shepherd. But then second, the chief shepherd is coming to rescue us. 1 Peter 5, 4, And when the chief shepherd appears, he, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. So just as Jesus came to redeem you from the penalty of sin, he's coming to redeem you from the presence of sin. So then a question, he came and he's coming, but how well do you know his voice? Do you know his voice? I read about a story just after World War II, some Turkish soldiers stole a flock of sheep. And when the shepherd woke up, they had already crossed the ravine and they were over on the other mountain. And, and he thought, there's no way I can run and catch up and, and get them. And even if I did, I'm not sure I could overtake the, so, the, the soldiers. And then he remembered that with his sheep, he had a special call every morning. And so he made that call and echoed across the valley. And even though they were on the other side, those sheep, surrounded by these soldiers, heard the shepherd's voice, stopped immediately, and then ran back to the shepherd. They had spent so much time with the shepherd, they knew his voice. My suspicion is that all of us want a Savior 
But how many of us really want a shepherd? Because remember, one of the roles of a shepherd is to put us on the right path. And so many times, but I want to go over to this pasture. And a good shepherd will say, no, we're not going over to that pasture. You need to stay in this path. That's the good shepherd. And if you wonder in those other shepherds, I mean those other pastures, and he calls us, do we know his voice? Will we hear the warnings? Listen to what Jesus said in John 10 for, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. But you have to listen. You really have to decide whose voice are you going to listen to. I want us to close by reading the last two verses of this great song together. It's on the screen. So let's, let's do this together, shall we? You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I shall dwell in the house of Jehovah, Yahweh, the Lord, forever. That's the psalm. That's the promise. That's the good shepherd. This morning, if you want to be in his flock, if you know Jesus is the Lamb of God who died to make you whole, if you're ready to have your sins washed away in baptism, we offer this invitation every time we gather because we want you to be able to say yes to the Lord. The water's always ready, and you've got a room full of people who want to encourage you. If you're watching online and you need to make a response, just call the church office, call one of your elders. We'll make the connection. Or today, if we can pray for you in any way, won't you come as we stand and sing?